The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. I have a a message that I'm uh, kind of really excited about. Uh, That's a good thing, but that means I could be (laughs) long-winded. Okay. Um, Blind eyes can now see. Blind eyes can now see. Now, as Jesus passed by, that's John chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. That the works of God should be revealed in him. Now I want to share something with you. For those of us who are Christians, you need to really know this and just settle this in your heart. If you really know God and you are really following God, All of us experience difficult times. Troubles come our way. You don't have to pray for them. They just show up. They'll know how to find you. Troubles always know how to find us. We all deal with issues. But when you have a problem that doesn't make sense, I mean, I've been there. You didn't beg for it. You didn't pray for it. You don't know what happened. He's been in your life for a long time. You don't know what to do about it. When you have a problem that doesn't make sense and will not go away, the only way to get rid of that problem is to get clarity. What's going on here? What's going on here? The best thing to do is to ask the right questions. What's happening here? The first thing you want to look at, is this something that I brought on myself? Is this something that came to me because of what I did? Many times people blame everybody else but themselves. It's everybody's fault. It's it's not my fault. That's the wrong place to do. Get your heart in a neutral gear and begin to ask the right questions. If you don't ask the right questions, you will not truly understand what's happening and you may be in that that situation for a very, very long time. So the right question is what to ask for clarity. So you know what's going on. In this situation, it was the disciples that were asking the questions. This is who sinned? Who sinned that this man was born blind? This particular man or his parents? That was an unusual question. How could he have sinned before he was born? (laughs) Think about it. Who sinned? He was born blind, right? He had no chance to sin 
before he was born. But this was so unusual, the disciples wanted to know who caused this. A right question for your problem, whatever it is. Am I blind because of something that I did? Am I going through this problem because of something that I did? Because the disciples wanted to know who did something wrong to bring this thing on this man. So, sin can cause one to be blind. Sin can cause one to be blind. There is a natural blindness and there is a spiritual blindness. Many people are not blind physically. But they've been blind spiritually since birth. Just like this man. And they are not asking the right question. Sin can actually cause somebody to be blind. And your blindness, if it's spiritual, will not only affect your life here on earth, it goes with you into eternity. Spiritual blindness is worse than physical blindness. And this can be caused by sin. Sin, the Bible calls it the hardness of sin. Deceived through the hardness of sin. Sin can cause your heart to be hard and your mind, your spiritual eyes to be blind. So we need to recognize that. Many will not turn to God so that their eyes will be opened. They would rather stay in sin and not go to God so that their eyes will be opened. The Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, if you don't understand the gospel, even if our gospel is hid, hidden from your eyes, it is veiled to those who are perishing. If you can't understand the gospel, even though you are alive, you are dying spiritually. And spiritual death is worse than natural death. Remember when God told Adam, the day you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. Well, he ate of the fruit and didn't die on that day. He lived for another 930 years before he died. But spiritually, he died. And look at where we are today because of that one sin. Everything changed. When you become blind spiritually, everything around your life changes. Trouble come to you. All kinds, all colors. They come to you when you are spiritually blind. So it says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. So the God of this age, that Satan, is the one that's blinding you. The other day I was thinking about, you know, a man can be very wealthy. And he has a a trusted friend that's stealing from him secretly. He's still smiling while he's getting poorer. Not knowing the activities of his trusted friend. Many people have made Satan their trusted friend because they won't make God their trusted friend. 
And so Satan is blinded them. And the Bible tells us that Satan is a thief. He is a murderer. And he is a liar. He is the father of lies. Everything is not going all right when God is not in your life. You need God in your life. That's blindness. You know, when I was a kid, uh, well, my teenage years, I didn't know God at that time. I used to say some very silly things. It, it, it sounds funny now, but in those days, I think it was really stupid. I'll ask a question, you know, I love James Brown. Hello. I love all of his music, you know. I feel good. And I'll ask the person, James Brown's going to be in hell? And they say, oh. And all these guys, Marvin Gaye and all of those people, Four Tops and all of that, we will be having fun in hell. You're kidding yourself. Nobody's going to be having fun. You won't be feeling good in hell. I was deceived and blinded. No, I feel good in hell. Nobody says that. But when you're blind, you make stupid statements like I was making. Blind. So we all need God. Listen to what he says. The God of this world has blinded their minds of those who do not believe. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, Satan has blinded you. You don't know you're blind because you are in the dark. That's all that's happening to you. When I hear people and they say they, they are agnostics or I'm an atheist, it doesn't bother me. I can be their friend. They're blind. I can't show him colors. He's blind. He thinks he knows, but he doesn't know because he can't see. He's blinded the minds of them, of those who do not believe. And that you can change today by just believing in God. Amen? You can change. Your eyes can be opened today. You were born blind, every one of us. We were all born blind. But thank God, Jesus came by and saw that we were born blind. And he, we were willing for him to speak to us and to touch us. While we're going through all of our troubles before we met Christ, having a lot of questions and people thinking maybe he's, he's so bad, his parents, they're from that family, they're all crazy in that family. Heard that? All crazy, all of them. And then Jesus shows up. And there is a transformation in the life. And a transformation in the family. They can now see. That's why he's the Savior. And we love him so much. So Satan doesn't want the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, to shine upon this land. But let me say this. In addition, sin can cause a man to be sick. Physically. Today, I'm amazed at what I'm seeing in the church. It's frightening. You got young people and sometimes adult married people. Couples that are not married. Because supposedly we love. 
And they're staying together and sleeping together. That's fornication. That's fornication. It's even terrible if you don't feel anything about it. If your conscience is not telling you this is wrong, you are truly blind. Even though you're a Christian, you are not walking in the light. It's frightening what's happening. It's frightening what's going on. And everybody's saying it doesn't matter. It's okay. Everybody's doing it. God doesn't care if everybody's doing it. The road to destruction is broad. The way to life is narrow. Only few people find it. You can't do what everybody is doing. You are not everybody. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood set apart by God to walk in His life. You're not like them. You couldn't make excuses for those things. Fight those things. Because that's not part of your new nature. You can't do those things. Christians are constantly making excuses. If you are wrong, admit this is not right. God, deliver me. Don't make an excuse for it. If he stays along, when Satan lashes on a person and he wants, he can get you, he kills you. I'm telling you, he's a murderer. That sin will kill you. Angela and I will wash some shoes. Every time we wash, it seems like detective stuff. He seems like you see a pattern. When the girl starts going to a bar and they go to a bar, they end up dead. The same thing with a guy. It seems like the story starts and then when you try to find out what's happening, she's been going to a bar and she finds somebody in a bar. Sin kills. That's why Jesus came. So we can be free. We can't make excuses for something that's killing us. That's not right. You are making an excuse for something that is destroying you, destroying your family, destroying your life, destroying your future. Why would you want to make an excuse for it? Stay away from it. Cry out to God. It's not your fault and God doesn't condemn you. But you need to cry out. Until you cry out, God's not going to help. Jesus didn't go to every hospital in his day to heal all the sick people. He only healed those who came to him. You got to cry out to him so you can be free. We all get tempted, but you don't make excuse for the temptation. It's okay. Please, you can come in. No. Sin can actually cause somebody to, to be sick. Let me share some scriptures with you. You know, one time, some time ago, I preached a message on healing, and I mentioned this, and somebody didn't like it. He says, Don't you say that? I said, Well, that's scriptural. That's what the Bible says. If it was not true, Jesus would have told his disciples, you shouldn't be saying things like that. Sin doesn't cause anybody to be sick. That's not what he said. He said it's not just sin. In other words, he's agreeing sin can cause you to be sick. Sin can cause cancer to come into your body. Sin can cut your your life short. Sin can get you into trouble. This man, it wasn't his sin. But there was another man that Jesus admitted it was his sin. In John chapter 5, Jesus had healed the man at the pool. Jesus healed the man at the pool. An angel came into the water and stared that water and whoever gets in it. And this man had been sick. 
You know how long? For 38 years. Sin got him in one spot for 38 years. No life. He was there so long. He was there for so long. His family members got tired of visiting with him. Nobody came to him. He was by himself. That's how lonely sin can get a person. When you continue with it. But some way in his heart he was crying out to God. I need help. I need help. I want to live again. I want, to, I want life. And Jesus found him. And said do you want to be made well? It's your decision. Amen. Do you want to be made well? You're sick. Jesus didn't ask, address his problem. He wanted him because he was crying. He wanted to be well. For 38 years, the guy said, every time the angel comes and stirs the water, and, and I'm making an effort to go, somebody gets there. Before he was paralyzed. Somebody's going to get to the water before him. How frustrating that could be. Year after year, for 38 years. Some of us here are not even up to 30 years old. Think about it. That's a lifetime. But the Bible tells us after he was healed, he didn't even know who Jesus was. And I'm sure he had heard about Jesus. There's no way. It is a funny thing. He was sitting by the pool and the Son of God was healing everybody all over us. <laughs> Think about it. I'm sure you heard about it. He was still sitting. His faith was in that water. But Jesus met him and healed him. And then he told the Pharisees, because Jesus had done this on, on the Sabbath day, and he, but he was too careless. He said, well, you're taking your bed. You're walking with your bed. He says, well, the one who healed me told me to take my bed and walk. He listened. Amen. When Jesus tells you to take, rise, take your bed and walk, do it. Don't ask him. Huh? What, what did you say? Don't you realize I've been here for 38 years? I couldn't do that. Ask them. They all know. He said, really? Took up his bed and walked away. But then Jesus found him in John 14, 5 verse 14. He says, afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. Amen. He went to the right place. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He went to the temple. That's where Jesus found him. Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more. Lest a worse sin come upon you. That thing that may seem harmless can really destroy you. It may not destroy your body, but it could destroy your finances. That's what sin does. It seems innocent. The best thing is just get rid of it. Go back to God. First John tells us to confess our sins. This is a series. That's why I'm taking my time. I'm going to be in John chapter 9 for a long time. There's so much meat in here. Uh, I can't help myself. I've got to stay with it. And, and you have to stay with me. Amen? Please. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Jesus says, see. In other words, look. You'll be made well. Don't sin. And immediately, without Jesus telling him who he was, he knew. I'm sure in the temple they've been telling him there is a man named Jesus. He is the one that's around healing. And when Jesus spoke to him, somebody, that's Jesus. And Jesus went directly to him. 
I pray that Jesus will come to you today and speak to you about the danger of allowing something like this uh, into your life and practicing sin. First John three uh, chapter three talks about a believer does not practice sin. If it's that becomes a lifestyle for you, for you as a Christian, you are in real trouble. I'm telling you, it's really bad. Paul actually says for a person, an adulterer in the world, a fornicator, he said, make friends with them. Come, but if a person is a Christian and he's doing that, he says, don't even eat with him. Don't even eat with him. And here we have people in church. It, it, it does, it, to them, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. And in our church, we don't want young people dating and then sleeping as if they're married. Sleeping together as if they're married. That's never done. It could happen, but you really need to repent and turn away from it. And if you can't help yourself, Paul says, get married quickly. <laughs> Hello? I got it before tried. If you see this temptation is too great, get married fast. Daddy, mommy, please make it real fast for them. <laughs> hey, don't point to anybody in church, you might. <laughs> but this is very important. And somebody has to say it. Somebody has to say it. Amen. These things can happen. These are just one area, but in business as well. You might think that you are getting away with something. Hurting people by cheating them. You're not getting away with anything. Whatever you sow, you are going to reap. It's a, it's a law, it's a principle. And guess what? When you sow just a few seeds, what's coming to you is not going to be a few seeds. I'm telling you, it's always more than what you sowed. That's the principle in life. People don't understand that. But the trouble is when the troubles begin to come, they are looking for, it says, it's my wife that's my trouble. It's not your wife. It's what you have been doing. It has nothing to do with your wife. It has nothing to do with your husband. It's what you, what you have been accumulating to yourself by what you've been doing. Whether in secret or in open. In the open. These things are very important. Sin can actually cause you to be sick. And can take your life. A sin even in the house of God can take your life. That's what we read, we found out in First Corinthians chapter 11. Where these Corinthians were using the, uh, the uh, communion service uh, to get drunk. Yeah. I mean in church, these guys, hey brother, that was a great communion. Oh yeah. You're wonderful. The spirit really moved today. Oh yeah. 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 God says, kill them all. All of them. <laughs> Take them out. They were sickly. And some of them died. Because they were not doing this. I mean, I'm not saying take the communion. I do that every day. I did that this morning. Every time I do that, I take that bread and I say, God, Jesus, you told me this is your body. And I'm receiving your body right now so that I stay healthy. It was broken for my healing. So I take it and I thank him. Michael has been doing that for so long. And he's been a while. I don't know if you know, Michael got a stroke when he came in here. 
the very first Sunday Michael West came to our church, he had a stroke. And long ago, I preached a message on that. I think Michael is probably the one that heard this message more than the one who preached it. Okay. okay. <laughs> and he is very religious about doing this. I do that often. But Michael told me, since that time, I don't get sick. Right, brother? You're back there. Hadley. When you do it right, you receive the blessing. But when you do it in the wrong way, it goes the same thing with the marriage thing. You do it right, you get the blessing. You do it the wrong way. When you, before you get married, you receive a curse instead of a blessing. Marriage is honorable in all, bad on the file. That's what the Bible says. And when you get married, he who finds a wife, finds a, a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So after I got married to Angela, I went to my closet and said, God, I've, I've, I've finished the business. Now, where is my favor? <laughs> Amen. And I've been receiving favor since then. Amen. Favor since then. Not just three, according to him. <laughs> but a lot of favor. When you do what's right. Amen. Stay with what God says. And make, your, make up your mind, I'm going to do what the scripture says. And see how God is going to bless you. They did it wrong and they received punishment for it. So sin can actually cause you to be sick. I'm going to read this in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 29 and 30. Paul says, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, so it's not what you do, it's just an unworthy manner, the way you are handling it. They were not very respectful of what they were doing. They didn't realize in heaven, that in the mind of God, that was the body of the Lord Jesus and you can't be doing the stuff. It was an unworthy manner. They eat and drink judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, he says, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, meaning many of you died. So in a church, the people were dying because they were not doing, they were sinning against God, doing something that was holy. It was an holy thing. Let me go further. Your sin can also cause your children problems. And that's the painful one. Because these kids didn't ask for it. Your behavior now makes life difficult for your, your children. What, is, what kind of thing is this? That's why they, they asked the question, who sinned? The parents or this man, that he was born blind. And Jesus didn't say, no, no, parents' sin cannot affect the children. No, they do. Your actions will affect your children. Have you watched in a home where you have a drunk and he's beaten his, his wife constantly, the mother of the children? And the children are cowering in their rooms, hearing their mother scream and swearing to themselves, when I grow up, I'll never do that. Only few of them 
actually come of that. Many of them grow up, get married, and they do exactly the same to their wives, the mother of their children. How many have seen that happen? It's happened. We need somebody to get a hold of Christ to break that cycle. And that's you. What you do will affect the children. A woman who is promiscuous, you have a daughter, guess what's going to happen to that daughter? You steal the life of that girl with your own behavior. They can't help it. And you can't even speak to them because immediately you say, you don't want to do be around that man. He says, what about you? You do the same. And now, because of your action, they are open to anything that comes your way. And Satan has a lot of assignment for them. Because you've made it happen. That's what we call generational curses. Your actions can actually affect your children. It takes only one person to break loose from that. Turn to God and break that cycle. You have seen it. Maybe in the natural, you look at it, and I'm really open with you about this. Breast cancer runs in the family. And they will tell you it's genetic. I, I, I don't fight that at all. But one person in the family can break that cycle by turning to God and saying, God, I'm not going to let this happen in my family. I'm going to stop it. He stops here. Amen? And begin to fast and pray. So that whatever caused this door to be opened is closed. Let me let you know this. Job, and I've said this before. When Satan appeared before Job, uh, before uh, God in heaven, and he was, God was bragging about Job, and he, Satan said, just let me touch his body. And he'll curse you to your face. And God said, go. Satan made Job sick. Destroyed his children, destroyed his finances, destroyed his businesses, destroyed everything. It wasn't from God, but God allowed it. But God was able to turn all of that around. So when you see when you see cancer running in the family, don't think it's all natural. There's, I mean, there, might, there might be a demonic force behind it. There could be a demonic force. It's called generational curses. This thing, the enforcer of this curse is a, a demon. And you can get rid of that demon and the person is free. You can get rid of that demon as a believer. But if you open your heart to it, then that thing is going to continue to destroy your family. Not the parents. But I'm going to close with this because of time. And I'm going to continue with the message. Exodus chapter 34, verse 17. He says, God keeps mercy for thousands. You know what that means? Mercy is compassion. Read in the scriptures. Every time Jesus was moved with compassion, guess what's going to happen? Everybody gets healed. When the scripture says Jesus was moved with compassion, 
the needs get met. When Jesus said, look at the multitudes, and he says they are like sheep without shepherd. He said, give them something to eat. I can't let them go. He gave a miracle. So he says, God keeps mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So God continues with it if there's nobody that will repent. But if somebody turns away and repents, he offers mercy and he forgives. He offers mercy and he forgives. On Wednesday night, I'm going to be sharing with, with our church about your, I titled the message, Your Help is on the Way. Your Help is on the Way. That's this Wednesday, coming Wednesday. But what that is, is God has an ability to choose to forget. He doesn't forget anything. But he can choose to forget. And if you've done something to the point where God chooses to forget, you're in real trouble. You're in real trouble. Because there's no help for you. And he also can choose to remember. So we're going to be talking about that on Wednesday night. Uh, I'm saying come to church on Wednesday night. (laughs) You have to pray for the sins of your parents. I'm being very practical. I grew up in a home where after my father's death, we had a, a, a small building in the middle of our compound with arrows in there. I ate I, uh, sac- meat sacrificed to idols. I was taken to uh, witch doctors' homes with carved idols, and they would tell us, his children, yo, kneel down, kneel down there, please, quickly, kneel down, and pray to this idol. And I'm thinking, how can that help me? His nose is crooked. And he hasn't said a word since we've been standing around him making a lot of... He says nothing. He's just sitting there and he's saying nothing. And I'm thinking, this, this guy can help me. That's a piece of wood, I mean. Carved wood. He's going to be my God. I ain't my God. Probably that's what God... Because I always rebelled in my heart. I tell I'm not praying to that stupid stuff you can't even see But they made us pray. I loved the meat, okay? <laughs> After those prayer sessions that I hated, they put the blood on you, you know. I mean, strange things. When I was growing up, they put the blood on you and said, that ugly God is going to help you. And I'm thinking, put the blood, do whatever you want. But I know he can't help me. He can't even move his hand. <laughs> but after I grew up and I became a Christian, I realized, that wasn't just a game. I spent seven days fasting, locked myself up in a hotel room, dealing with everything that I could remember. And it was real fireworks in that room. Asking those demons, I don't, you can't be in my life. 
Because until you address them, they don't go. They just won't leave. You have to address them. If there's a problem, you address them, they will listen. Sometimes that's when they manifest. And I had to break I went back home after I'd been in the U.S. and got some lessons. I went back home and I called my brothers. I told them, this stuff in the middle of our yard is really our problem. And we went in there, pried that thing open and saw the idols. And I called my pastor friends. And we poured kerosene on them. And sing, only Jesus can save. And burned them up. Amen. And went and thanked God. And I got free. Amen. You can be free, but you can't take those things. Those things will come up after you. My brother said, it's only because you're Christian that you are able to, to do this. And many of them are coming back to the Lord today. Those things do affect us. Amen. We need to turn our life over to God. Demons exist. They hate you real bad. Because you look like God. That's why they hate you. You can't be on their side. Why don't you go to him today? Amen. All heads bowed this morning. If you haven't turned your life over to God completely. Some of us turned our lives to God, but we are not walking in the light. I shared that in Sunday school this morning. If you don't walk or follow the light, you will walk in darkness. And Satan will have you. You open the door for him to have you. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me say this to you. Is that God is your master or Satan is? There is no middle ground in this earth. Spiritually, God is either your master or Satan is. And if you are not sure God is your master, guess who your master has been? You can turn to God today by rejecting your former master and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and he will welcome you to the family of God. All heads bow this morning. If you want Jesus to be your master, and you don't want Satan anymore to control your life, but you're turning over everything to God, please don't concern yourself with your, even your wife or your husband. It's between you and God. You came to this world by yourself. When you die, you go home by yourself. So make a decision for God. It's a spiritual decision. It's a decision of life or death. So if you don't have Christ and you are not sure, Jesus is in my life for sure. I need you to raise your hand at the count of three. And we're going to do that right now. Please be sincere. The Spirit of God is here with us. One, two, three. Raise your hand up. Raise your hand up. Thank you. We thank God that for the most part, everyone here is a believer. But I'm going to say to you today, if there's a practice in your life that you've tolerated and it doesn't bother you anymore, you really need to cry out for God. You are in a very dangerous place, especially if it doesn't bother you. There is hardness of heart. And only God can soften your heart. I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand up today, but you need to reconcile with God today. And you need to pray to God that, God, I'm coming home. I'm going to change everything. 
If that's you, I'm going to be saying these words in prayer. I need you to say it back to God and mean it from your heart. And then begin to change your ways. Like that man, he went back to the temple. You need to be in the house of God. You need to come to Sunday school where you can be taught. You need to join a small group meeting. You need to be a part of the growth track. This is what you have to do to let God know you are serious and you want to go to a, a higher place with God, a higher ground with God. If that's you today, pray this prayer and mean it from your heart and then put some feet to it to let God know you mean business. Then God will know, just like he knew of Abraham, and begin to walk with you. Pray with me. Let's all say this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus, my Savior and my Lord. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I renounce every evil work that Satan has brought into my life. I renounce and I reject. Heavenly Father, I ask that you give me grace, multiplied grace, to do what is right in this matter so that I can please you in word and in deed. Thank you, Father, for forgiving my sins today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together because we are forgiven? All we have to do now is do what is right. Always present yourself before God. When the sons of God presented themselves before the, the master, before God, make sure you are among them. Amen. We're going to receive.